Speaking of checking for bugs, um, we, we were playing D&D and he had mentioned at one point something about like we were doing it was like bug in, it related and it was like this swarm of like really gross bugs because it was like this arch fae that was all bug related. Gross bugs. Okay. And he had described like a trail of bugs leading to the cave that it was Ooh. hiding in. And the specific words he used was bug carpet. And I've never been the same. <laughs> that is horrible. Bug carpet. Bug carpet. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of 10 Points of Bugs. My name is SJ. And my name is Bugs. And we are going to bug. This sucks. This sucks. <laughs> this is horrible. Welcome to this week's episode, everybody. The D&D episode. The prophesized Dungeons and can, Dragons episode. Can we do that again or are we going to... We're just going to I thought that. we were going to Millie Rock with that, but we're we can do it again. That? Okay. We can leave that. <laughs> okay, I don't cool. care. I don't care anymore. Listen, last week's episode was a train wreck. We got to keep it going. <laughs> All right, deal. Train wreck it is. Train wreck. We were in a train wreck arc six episodes uh, in. <laughs> Hey, I have more gas station content. Hey guys, gas station content. I don't I don't remember what it is, but I remember that I have gas station content. Well, that really sucks for <laughs> us. Uh there is one piece. So, um uh I went into the gas station to fetch myself a pail of miscellaneous energy drink and pail. I yeah, like a pail of water, fetch a pail of water. Yeah, but like I just now I'm imagining like how big is a pail? That much of it would kill kill a man. How big is a pail? Let me It's it's at least a gallon, I want to say. Cuz I'm on. thinking like metal bucket how with much? the handle, right? 3 to wow, 3 what? to 50 liters. One to thirteen U.S. gallons. That's a lot of miscellaneous energy drink. That's a you, wide you range. Would die. <laughs> Do you think we can drink thirteen gallons of miscellaneous energy drink? Do you want to meet God? How many? Uh, let, let me see. I have one in front of me. So one of our miscellaneous energy drinks is sixteen, 16 ounces. Sixteen fluid ounces, and what a gallon is is four 64? of those. Yeah. Yeah. So we would need we would need four times thirteen, which is what fifty two. Fifty two miscellaneous energy drink per person. Fifty two miscellaneous energy drinks per. <laughs> Jesus. Um. So anyway, I go in to get one, and uh, I was like, I think it was late at night, and I didn't want to drink one, but I was grabbing one for the morning. So I was like, all right, what are my other options? And I just happened to look over at the soda fridge, and there is a, uh, it's a version of this particular soda beverage called, uh, I think it says, it's Pitch Black. And that immediately caught my eye, because, you know, I'm edgy, and I like black stuff. And I was like, oh, Pitch Black. And I look at it, and it's zero sugar, baby. And I'm like, yes, I'm grabbing this. I have no idea what it tastes like, but I'm grabbing it. I grab it. I drink it. God awful. It's pretty good. Oh, what? pretty good. It's like a weird combination. Can you, can you mouth the brand to me? Okay, interesting. Uh, it's like this weird citrus and berry combo, I think. I don't know. I'll gra I should have grabbed one and brought it for this. Yeah, we could have done a little segment out of it, but it's okay. It's in the past. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll grab one for next time, or I'll grab two for next time. We should so make we both that can enjoy them. Do you guys want that to be a segment? Just grabbing random drinks at the gas station and trying them. <laughs> I'm down for that. Let's make that a segment because then the real comedy would come out of the fact that the audience would have no idea what we're drinking because we're just saying miscellaneous soda beverage. Okay, the real question is though, when you when you go to the gas station and you go to drink a um electrolyte restoring drink. Mm -hmm. Do you go for the nipple or do you go for the normal? 
Okay, so I had I had a friend uh, years ago who absolutely refused to drink uh, restorative electrolyte potions uh, unless she drank them out of a nipple bottle. And there was one time she asked me, hey, can you run to the store and grab me one of these? So I did. And I came back with a normal beverage. And she was like, what is this? I can't drink this. What? What? It has what to be this? the nipple bottle. She straight up would not drink it Listen, unless it I, had a nipple. I think you guys know what we're talking about. The nipple bottle is superior. Yeah. I, I mean, I I just. It's like I, straight from the, the teat of. <laughs> the restorative. Of the restorative beverages. electrolyte beverage <laughs> producer. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some eldritch horror. The, the more vague we are about this, the worse it is. And honestly, the funnier it is. <laughs> you, you write. There's some like eldritch being that produces. <laughs> <laughs> it just flows from his fingertips. It's funnier if it's, it's a, like the like aliens. A real teat, though. It's like the aliens in scary movie that pee out of their fingers. It's just that, <laughs> but it's the electrolyte beverage. <laughs> Tom Kenny will show up to your house and piss in your mouth. <laughs> oh my god, dude! <laughs> Can you tell guys that we're recording this uh, off schedule? <laughs> <laughs> what? No, we're not. I have a I have a work event this weekend, so we had to kind of modify our recording schedule a little bit. So uh, yeah, this is this is Matt and I after entire work day. This is ten points of slashing after hours. Ten points of slashing uncut. Well, it's going to be cut oh, <laughs> very yeah. heavily. Please, please cut it. <laughs> <laughs> just stop. <laughs> just end it right now and upload what six and a half minutes of. Content. All right, thanks guys. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. <laughs> uh, make sure to rate us. Bye. Uh, no, but we, we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. We have some Eldritch Horrors to discuss. Yeah, it's something that we're obviously, in case you can't tell, very passionate about. And it's something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. And whether it's the delirium or the way the cards fell, we figured now is the moment. I just remembered my other gas station content. Uh, Well, okay. The... Just went through all of that hot mouth action to set Excuse up me? moving into D anD. d You went through what? All that hot mouth talking. Okay, hot. What was it? One more time. Hot Send that mouth again. action. Thank you. Okay, can we get a soundboard cutout of you saying hot mouth action? Can you give us your gas station story? <laughs> yes. So I there is the gas station by my house. That that's the one. That is the gas station that it's, we talk yeah, about. It's it's the prophesized station of petrol. Yes. But there is another one that I go to on my way home from work sometimes, and nothing has ever happened there. It's just normal gas station experience. Nothing to talk about at a podcast. But this week, I went in to acquire a miscellaneous energy beverage, and there was a whole thing happening where this dude was at the counter, like, berating the lady over... They're, they're trying to transition to, like, self-checkout, and this dude was losing his mind about how, like this the touchscreen interface on it was not functioning correctly and if you remember in the first episode i complained about how i wish gas stations had touchscreen interfaces I, maybe i'm gonna double back Are on you that eating your own words because uh yeah this dude was just berating the woman and the dude was about six thousand years old and oh. i'm like like he just couldn't figure it out and the whole time the lady's like sir just press the press the button right there press the button right there and he's just not getting it and it takes him like six or seven minutes to do this transaction 
And I'm like, dude, what? Like, just listen to the woman. She's telling you what to do. It's like working in retail, and then they insert their card, and then it starts beeping for them to take it out, and they just stand there. Yeah, it was a lot of that. And you know? have to go take take your card out, and they're like, uh-huh, okay. Yeah, it was six thousand years old. It was just a whole lot of that. And then the dude finally gets out of there. I go up, and my transaction's done in about nine seconds because I'm not an idiot. Here's my thing, like, I feel, and I know this is not the case, but I feel like the more time you spend on this planet, the more used to Yeah, the more knowledge you acquire. The more used to being on this planet you are. So I feel like the older you are, like you said, the more knowledge you should have. Like, I'm sorry, but machines have been around of, of that caliber for like 10 years now. Like, everybody knows what a goddamn touchscreen is. Why are you struggling so hard with this? Because I know for a fact you're going to walk out of this building, you're going to pull out your iPhone 27, and you're going to, like... If he's that old, he probably has, like, a flip phone still. what are you doing, man? Like, what... Or if he does does have an iPhone, the only way he's able to operate it is by accosting his grandchildren every other day to be like, how do you send a text? Yeah, dude, I just, I don't get it. Like, that was okay 20 years ago. That was yeah. okay when this technology was new. It's not new anymore, dude. It's been around for so long you don't have an excuse. You don't have an excuse. I'm sorry, but when I'm 97, like I'm going to get with the times. We continue to get with the times and we have our entire lives. Yeah. Like guess what? There weren't iPhone 13s when I was 13 years old. I figured it out over time. Like that's that's the expectation, dude. Yeah, I I don't know because the the general rise of technology as we know it today has really happened recently. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's been it's been uh, what's that? It's like logarithmic. It just exploded. So it's like yeah, like they're definitely from a different generation, and I can see how there would be like a misunderstanding there. But also like it's a repetitive task. Every single pin pad transaction is the exact same thing every time. Every no time. matter where you go, yeah, it's all the what's the brand Verifone or whatever. It's all the same brand. It's all the same one, and it's the same questions in the same order every time. And they cannot figure it out. <laughs> it's the worst, dude. I it got to a point when I was working in retail. I'm not gonna say the company that I worked for, but I would if it was like a really old person, I would just be like, Oh, I'm so sorry, I pressed a wrong button and I would just do it for them really quick and be like, Oh, you can remove your card, you're good to go. And then they're so old they're just like, Okay. Maybe maybe that's the inherent problem. Maybe that's what happens every time they go anywhere. Yeah, maybe. And now they don't know how to do it because everybody just does it for them because nobody wants to put up with their maybe that their is the problem. Yeah, I, the, the, the registers made us ask like a donation question first or whatever. So I would always just like do it. I would always hit no thanks. I wouldn't charge them for a donation that they don't give a shit about. But I would just <laughs> do that. And then while I was there, I'd hit the green zero. Oh, the, the green, green zero. zero. Oh, the green. Boy. Zero, and then they press the normal zero, and they're like, it didn't work. Oh, it says green. It's like, why didn't you read that the fucking first time? And how many pin pads have you ever operated in your 96,000 years of existence that want you to hit a random number on the pin pad to complete the transaction? The green, for everybody at home, the green one. Yeah, press. The one that's green. Yes, the green zero. Not a random number on the pin pad. Maybe the one that's green that says okay. That's if like you've, if you've that's worked, like twice the size of a normal button. If you've worked any job where you have a pin pad that you need people to be able to get through, 
like that massive hurdle of exiting the facility, you know exactly what we're talking about. Why can't old people just hit the green zero? Like, we, what, we need to what? do. We need to shelf this and do an episode of bitching about retail. Yeah, I'm down. Matt and I have both worked uh, several different retail jobs before, and I know uh, some of our listeners. Shout out to the boys. Uh, we know you guys deal with the same pains. Yep. So, uh, but regardless. Anyway, so D&D. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, this is something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. The time is right. The um, time is ripe. The time is ripe. We have a, a few kind of different things. This, this is structured more as just a general overall discussion, but there is a little segment specifically that we want to do uh, involving something we mentioned last episode, uh, our soundtrack. Yeah, so... I don't want to take away from Matt because obviously Matt is the one that built the world, but I do want to just start by saying... Well, I, I'm going to cut you off right there. Every Dungeon Master knows or should know. Yes, I made the world, but they have done so much. Like, it is as much your world as oh, yeah. it is mine. And that that is the inherent beauty of D&D, and yeah. that's what drove me to really love this, is we say it all the time, it's collective storytelling. It's everybody together telling a story together that's that's all their own pieces you there's, know it's there's obviously hard and fast rules and and stuff like that in terms of how the world functions but there's so many like factions and pieces of lore and legendary characters and all this stuff that just straight up would not exist if it wasn't for you guys yeah absolutely and uh the way i've explained this to some friends of mine as i said oh yeah uh, us at the table playing d and d is just matt coming up with a bunch of shit to derail me and then me responding to that by derailing matt and then it's just an infinite loop of matt and i just at each other's throats trying to weird each other out it's, it's always awesome. it's a game of one-ups between me and him and then yeah. the rest of the players suffer for yeah they it. suffer horribly <laughs> no it's it's a good time and like obviously he's the one in the room with me right now. So we're kind of focusing in on him, but all of the other players are very, very involved. And, uh, Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Everyone, and um, some, some pretty crazy stuff already from our newest additions to our group. And you know, the people that we've been playing with for, for the longest time have done some insane things of their own, but yeah, it's just a, it's just an out crazy competition really at the end of the day. Yeah. And it's incredible. The, the players that we have in our group now, um, they add so much mm -hmm. just from their presence alone. Like yeah. having that energy in the room together is just incredible. Yeah, because we've been we've been living in this world for I've been living in this world since 2017 is when I made I started making it. Obviously, DM world builders know that if you're doing a homebrew setting, it, the work sort of never ends. Um, but I started this world back in 2017 and um but they've been living in it since about 2020 yep and september um, 2020 they at this point they know so much just through what i've told them outside of the game and things that they've learned through the eyes of different characters in the game to have uh the newest additions to our table that have no idea what anything is is uh for me specifically as an undermaster it's great because i can give them these insane bits of lore that I just have on deck about this world that they've never heard before. And they'll be like, what the hell? This is insane. And then, yeah, it's you know, my, my veteran players are just like, yeah, okay. The, the, the dead God, blah, blah, blah. Moving on. Anyway, yeah. it's like, it's just nothing to them. This insane tale of dead gods and war and, and blah, yeah, blah, dude. blah. And well, it, it, the other players are like, what? And then they're just like, yeah, don't worry about it. Moving on. <laughs> it's well, it's, it's super gratifying too, because yeah. so the way that we have played this, we've, 
so Matt said, I've been playing in this world for almost three years now. Um, and uh, one of our friends has been playing in it since 2017. Yeah, since the inception. But um, but no, it's super gratifying for me because the way we play in this world, a lot of what we done, what we have done is sequential. So like the first character that I played, his decisions still have an impact on the world today. And those things are coming up in the campaign right now. And it's super gratifying for me because I'm playing a character that isn't that person or isn't any of the other characters that I've played like sequentially. And it's just really cool because they hear about the things that me, SJ, that I did as these characters before, but it's disconnected. And and it's just super cool watching them. It's like watching somebody else watch a movie that you personally put together. Yeah. And it's just this pride of like, wow, like we did that and they're enthralled, you know, and like it's really cool. And they're going to have that same experience once they've been playing with us for years and we bring somebody new in and they're going to be like, oh, you did what? Like, that's so cool. You know, the indie's just incredible like that. Um, yeah. Can I? I think I'm ready, Matt. To talk about the soundtrack? No. Oh. Oh. I think I'm ready to tell the story of the first time that I ever played D&D. Oh, Okay. For the safety and, and privacy of the people involved, this is a heavily censored version of the story, but you'll get the general gist, and it's hysterically funny. So I know yeah. hysterically funny is an oxymoron, but regard it's so goddamn funny. It's it's incredible. So yeah, like Matt said, this is heavily censored, ladies and gentlemen, but you'll get the idea. So for my uh, birthday. I had told Matt earlier in the year because uh, I knew that he was super into D and D, and I had told him at one point I was like, you know what? That's I've always been kind of interested in the concept of it, but I've just never been in a situation where I could do it. Yeah, you you had mentioned as early as 2018, like you you had mentioned. I think we talked about this in an earlier episode. You had said like, oh, I've always wanted to play like a paladin, and like you know, D and D has always like intrigued me, and like that that those comments started as early as like 2018. Yeah, and then uh, like I said, 2020, I was like, you know what, I'd really like to do that. And Matt was like, I mean, I could just come over and set a game up for you. And I was like, you know what? It'd be really cool to do that with my girlfriend at the time um, as a birthday gift. And he was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'd love to do that. So Matt put together a one shot and he had asked, he was like, okay, well, what, what kind of do you want to do so that I can kind of gear it towards something you'll enjoy? And at the time I was playing, uh, you know, in, in the fantasy games that I was playing at the time, I was playing a paladin and I had played the absolute shit out of that paladin and was kind of ready to move on from that character. So... I conceptualized uh, kind of just a generic monster hunter guy. And that's what I told Matt. Like, let's just do kind of a classic monster hunt. And he's like, okay, cool. Let's do it. So on my birthday, I have my girlfriend over and Matt comes over to DM this one shot for us that he had conceptualized. He is an incredible DM and likes to bring props. And this is a very crucial part of this story. So he had printed out a letter that came from a neighboring town to where uh, my character and uh, my girlfriend's character were going to start. And the letter basically was a cry for help. The letter was just like, please send help. It's coming in the night and taking people. People are disappearing. We don't know what's happening, but we've, we've seen this thing. It's terrifying. Like, please, somebody send help. Was pretty much the gist of the letter. Yeah. He had printed that out. 
on this piece of paper that had like a parchment style background and he had like burned the edges and yeah. made it made it there's look a, super cool. There's a really cool trick that you can do just for all you DMs out there. If you do a Google slide and do the same parchment background for both, put text on one and then print it double sided and then cut the white off the edges. It looks like parchment. And then I learned this in elementary school. You can take it crumple it up and unfold it and do that like five or six times and it gets this really cool like parchmenty texture yeah it was super well done so we <laughs> start playing and he sets up this world right what he didn't tell me at the time that i learned later is that he actually set this up in part of the world of his uh homebrew stuff mm -hmm. that he hadn't really explored much I, I can get more into that after the story i don't want to interject yeah yeah you're good um so he we go through the beginning of it and, you know, it's this whole setup process like, OK, you uh, are familiar with these this uh, church of paladins and they're going to give you a mission because you just got back from like a long time away and they, they want to kind of bring you into that world. So they're giving you this mission and he goes to give us the mission. And when he does that, he hands us like the actual us. He hands us this letter, this prop that he had made. And I was like, dude, this is sweet. This is awesome. So I read it and we're like, okay, cool. Let's do this. Basically, the one shot that he put together was a Wendigo had been attacking and terrorizing this uh, logging town. And like, like I said, kidnapping people, taking them in the night. And we go in to investigate, right? We get the job done. We, we have a great time. It was phenomenal. We had a blast. Okay. We pack up at the end of the night and Matt leaves. After Matt leaves, my girlfriend and I got into a massive argument of epic proportions and ended up breaking up. It was completely unrelated to D&D, &D, but we get in this huge argument. There's a lot of emotions flying around, right? So what ends up happening is she gets somebody to pick her up. She leaves the house. Somebody picked me up and I left the house. So keep in mind... Both of our cars are still parked in the driveway. At the time, I was living with uh, one of the coolest dudes in the universe. Absolutely fucking insanely sick dude. Like, no lie, like one of the coolest guys I've ever met in my life. Um, I've been close with him most of my life. Anyway, he slept through absolutely all of that. Somehow. <laughs> he slept through D&D. &D. He slept through the argument. He slept through us leaving like somehow the dude was just out like a light. So mm. he wakes up the next morning and he gets up to do his thing, you know, big stretch in the morning. Oh, I think I'm going to go make some coffee. So he walks out into the kitchen and he immediately notices the table. The kitchen table is pushed out into the middle of the room because where the table was before it was like up against a wall and we needed room to play when Matt came over to set up the D&D. So we had pushed the table out into like the middle of the kitchen floor and he was like, oh, that's weird. I, I don't know why the table's out here. That's wild. He makes his coffee. He has a couple sips. He steps outside. The, the, uh, the door to my patio was right next to the kitchen. So he steps outside. He takes a breath of the crisp, clean morning air and he looks over at the patio furniture that I had out there and he noticed it's kind of out of place. And he's like, well, well, that's weird. What what's going on here? And uh, he's like, ah, I'm, whatever, like maybe it was windy last night because I had so I had a rolly chair out there. And at one point when my girlfriend and I were arguing, um, she had sat up really fast and it had like kicked the rolly chair back because she sat up super fast. 
and it fell over and <laughs> you know so he's like okay that's weird whatever he walks back inside and he's like uh i want you guys to keep in mind this dude is a massive pothead like massive pothead he walks back inside and he looks at the table and he's like dude where where is sj like what where is that? He, he knew that uh, my girlfriend was over the night before. And he was like, where is SJ? He looks down the hallway and he sees that my bedroom door is open and that I'm not in my bedroom. I'm not in the living room playing video games. I wasn't on the patio. I wasn't in the kitchen eating breakfast or anything. So he's like, this is really weird. Like he's in none of the places he usually is. And he looks outside and he sees, oh shit, his car is still there. And my girlfriend's car was still there. And he's like, whoa, what? That's really weird. And then he looks at the table again and he sees that there's a letter <laughs> and he's like, what is this? So he reads the letter and he has what he described to us as an actual full blown like panic attack. Like, oh, yeah. my God. Because all of this combined with the fact that the letter said, like, there's a monster stealing people in the night and blah, blah, blah. And he straight up was like, oh, my God, they got kidnapped by a monster. Like, what is going on? Holy shit. He starts calling my mom. He's like, what? He's losing his mind. And I want to say maybe 10 or 15 minutes after that, mom, uh, my mom and Matt bring me back to the house. And we walk in and my cousin is uh, my cousin is who, who we lived with. Well, we call him my cousin, but he's not really my cousin. We just call him that. Yeah. Um, he's standing in the living room and he just looks at me, walk in and he just goes, oh, my God, thank God you're all right. <laughs> and I was like, what? What are you talking about, dude? And he he tells us in the story. Earnest. Yeah, he was in like, earnest. I thought you got abducted by a monster. He straight up was like, I was getting ready to like start a search party. Like he legitimately thought that something had gone down. He was flabbergasted. And we laughed so hard about that. Yeah. Um, but happy ending to the story. I started playing DD. Yeah, I was so after going through everything that, that we had gone through in that in that whole situation. I was genuinely shocked when he reached out to me again and was like, so when are we playing again? And I was like, wait, what? We're still playing after that? <laughs> and you were like, well, yeah, I mean, that whole thing sucked, but like D&D was fun. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm sure we could get a few more people in on this and, and, and make it a thing. And we, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's that's how it started. So I'm sure you can imagine where we're at now. That's how it started for old SJ getting into this world. And it was, it's incredible. It's D&D is one of the most incredible things I've ever invested my time and energy into. Uh, just a little quick, um, the continent that that one shot started on in, in, this, in this world is called Phyrus. There's three main continents on my world, Astra, Phyrus, and Quentium. Um, and so when I originally created the world in 2017, the campaign that I ran for the first time ever was called Ballad of the Paladins. Uh, I can talk about that more in depth someday because it was it was incredible. And the continent that it, that took place on was Astra. And I had always known that there was a continent to the east of Astra and a kind of massive continent north that encompassed both of them. And that's all I knew. It was just kind of like to just to say at the table, like, yes, there is a world. There's a continent to the east and blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> um, so when, when I was conceptualizing this one shot, I didn't want it to be on Astra because that was kind of like... This is really funny to say, and you'll understand when I tell the story someday, but it was kind of like holy ground for me. So I made the decision to shift to Phyrus. I found a really, really cool map uh, in like the, the public kind of section on uh, a map-making website called Incarnate. Uh, for those that know, uh, people can make these really crazy maps and upload them for other people. 
So I, I took that map and I, I did a few changes, um, but mostly it's still intact. And th this group that SJ is in mostly plays on Fyrus, uh, and it's, it's, it's really special to me in a way because you guys more than me have really made Fyrus. Yeah. I, I kind of set in place the basic lore to make it a continent and make it make sense and government structure here and like a little like political tension here and just like a few really basic plot hooks to make it feel real. And then in the course of us playing, they've saved the world, overthrown the government, uh, reinstated a new government, marched into hell over that government. The government again. Yeah. And then that government got murderized to death last week. Like it's a, uh, Fyrus is a really, really special continent in that it is far more, in a way, collaborative. Um, I did a lot more planning in the initial stages for Astra, and the players that played in that world kind of just lived in it. You know what I mean? They was like, hey, here's yeah. all of this stuff that I already have and will fit you into it. But when I was running with this group with with, with Fyrus, it's just, you know, it, it Fyrus really is more theirs than mine at this point, and it's... It's an honor and a privilege as a game master to be able to keep creating for them in that continent and for them to keep breaking it in, in, <laughs> in not not in like a negative way, but like in the most positive way. I definitely threw them for a loop at this last session um, and I, I have a lot of plans, but I can't wait to see how we end on the other side of this whole situation that we've found ourselves in. Yeah, and it's it's such an incredible thing, like just, just playing D&D. Um, it's kind of a kind of a sideline a little bit but I've, i always say like the characters that i play in DD are always representative of like what is happening in my life at the time that i've been playing these characters right i've been i've been doing this for about th almost three years now and uh you know my first character was very representative of things i was going through at that time and my second character was very representative of things i was going through then and so now in the in the world we're playing now like again i'm plugging so much of myself into this character and it's i know it's corny but it's it's a super healing thing it's a, dungeons and dragons is like proven to be very cathartic yeah dude it's it's really plugging yourself into a world that you don't exist in but making decisions that you yourself would make and it's like it's it's healing in and of itself like any conflict that i have within myself about something i may be dealing with like sometimes my DD &D character will resolve that conflict for them and that in turn gives me this kind of revitalized like you know what i i can do this because i did that you know like like yeah. i said i know it's corny and cliche and super nerdy but but it's it's, it's true. true yeah it's true um it's it's really incredible i i'm blessed i play in a group with um a dungeon master who is absolutely incredible i i definitely consider him leagues above me um and that group I mean, we've all cried real tears. We've all yeah, jumped, dude. We've all jumped out of our seats and screamed. Like that group is is very very special to me um, because it's also all of my closest friends. And then this group that I run for to be able to like you know killing all, like because the purpose of what happened in our last session was to kind of upheave everything. Because every time you do a campaign, you have to up the stakes, right? And the last thing that we did was a full-scale unified invasion of hell. Um, yeah, it was a pretty this, big deal. Uh, we can <laughs> we can go more in depth as to why and how that happened, but um, to like bring the stakes above that, really, all you can all you can do is interpersonal, like involve characters that the party cares about, and and do something with that. 
So my answer to that was an uh, ancient uh, sect of uh, Iwanti infiltrating the government and killing everyone. And essentially, the continent uh, is the future of the continent is in the hands of literally the party and like the three or four major political figures that lived. Uh, but the king is dead. All of the barons are dead, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's a, quite a big deal. And, you know, I feel like there are some groups where I could pull an event like that and they would be like mad that it was happening or, or anything nah, crazy dude. like that or like be super disheartened or just not care. But, you know, the fact that the group trusts me enough to have let that happen, like because they were paralyzed. It's a very long story, but like. In a way, there's a lot that they could have done to prevent it, but oh, yeah. they, they definitely have that level of trusted me to be like, okay, this is obviously going to be insane, but he's going to lead us somewhere that's fulfilling for all of us. So having that trust from them is incredibly fulfilling, um, but also seeing the looks in their faces when I did it, because it was genuine, like, it wasn't, f I, I didn't see fear in it. It was confusion. But it was, it was mass confusion. It was legitimate, like, what is happening? Oh my God, this is real. Holy shit. Holy shit. What? Uh, and then, like, immediately throwing the action back in the players of, like, the army is destroying the city. There's this crazy dragon that you've never seen before that's, like, scaleless and breathing acid. And, like, that was the teleportation circle is destroyed so you can't leave. Like, like just this insane... Just going from not having any control and watching it happen to being thrown into absolute chaos, watching them navigate that was, was, was quite honestly very special to me because I had been sitting on this event for so long. And that was, that was great for me and my character because a big, a big thing, like one of the character traits that I'm trying to emphasize heavily with the character I'm playing right now is that he doesn't think he's a leader. He doesn't want to be a leader. He's never wanted that. But he's constantly thrown in these positions where he has to be the leader and he hates it. Um, but he doubts himself a lot. Right. And it was that moment was so great for me because everybody else at the table other than me was like, what the absolute fuck is happening right now? And I was able to just be like, we, we have a job to do. We need yep. to get out of here. Yeah, it was really it was really interesting to see your characters kind of take the reins. Um, yeah, because I, I, I was basically like, guys, do you trust me? And they. They were all like, yeah. Keep in mind, we've had so much so inter-party, trust, trust issues, hatred for each other. But I, I could tell like, that there was there was a conscious effort for everyone. Like, in that moment, everyone definitely put that aside because everyone realized the, yeah, the dire situation. The yeah, and it was um, so gratifying for me to be able to be like, we got a job to do. Let's let's do this. Yeah. And it felt so good. To, to give everyone at home a little bit of context into his character, um... I don't know if you've ever, if anyone listening has ever read the Rangers Apprentice books by John Flanagan. If you haven't, uh, you should. It is, I, I know that it, it's never come up and it probably could have come up, uh, but if we ever talk about like favorite fantasy franchises, uh, the Rangers Apprentice is my favorite fantasy franchise. It's absolutely incredible. Um, so when I made this world, I had read those books in like junior high. So when I made this world, I really wanted to take inspiration from that and integrate it. So there is a, the Rangers are essentially like super secret spies that work for the king. Um, so Astra, Quentium, and Virus all have Rangers. And it's like, there is kind of like an umbrella sort of like all of the Rangers are Rangers, so to speak. Like they have camaraderie. The they have the class, yes. But like you can be a Ranger and not be a Ranger. I'm, I, I refer to them as like uh, like an organization, like the Rangers. But like the Astrin, Firing, and Quentian Rangers all like know each other and they all have camaraderie and the fact that that is their position. But they obviously serve their governments. Mm -hmm. um, 
but so his his character is a a senior ranking ranger like king's ranger to the king the former king of virus god rest his soul the god rest ugh. they put they in a previous yeah, campaign the they put him on the throne <laughs> yeah he was a boy. Uh, and he's dead now because i killed him gloriously we named him after keanu reeves it was an on the spot decision yeah he, he was <laughs> his king victor reeves rest god rest ye um but yeah he um he so he he's a senior ranking member of like the ultra super secret spy organization. The old CIA. In, yeah, basically, like in the hierarchy of the military of this world, the Rangers are under only the king, and then every other faction of military is under them. So they are very high up, and his character is a high ranking member in that organization. Not the leader of it, but high ranking one of a very small handful of captains. And um, so he is a character that very much is inherently in leadership, but also does not want it. So to see you realize that in that moment was very gratifying for me as well. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, dude. Yeah. And just like um, one of these days, I'm going to get asked you to read the Rangers Apprentice books. One yeah. One of these days. Yeah, I would like to. It's something I've thought about. Um, they're genuine. They're like YA novels. They're like they're easy reads. They're not too terribly long, and they're made for like kind of like you know preteen to teenager audience. But they are genuinely just incredible fiction. Like they're just so good. Yeah, and I've got some traveling coming up this year. Um, so I that that did cross my mind. I was because I was thinking about like you know I want to get back into reading, and I thought about Rangers mm-hmm. Apprentice. So you should. You really. Um, I cannot recommend it enough for you and for the people listening. Yeah, read the Rangers Apprentice. Um, incredible books. The first book is so nostalgic for me. I'll go back and read because I can read the first book in like an afternoon. Uh, I'll go back and read the first book just to read it again because there's so many nostalgic kind of like image mind imagery of like oh yeah that part no yeah that part it's really good and it'll give you some insight into where i've pulled inspiration for certain characters and kind of why things are the way they are for sure yeah i um i want to go back to you said you said something about like you know the players trusting you and yeah and uh i just gotta be there yeah i just wanted to point out that um like yes we i i'm not gonna speak for everybody else but yes obviously i implicitly trust matt with this but with that said, like I'm a big fan of chaos, and yeah. I think I think most people that play D and D want that chaos, because um, that's what creates moments where you have compelling storytelling. And yeah. uh, I am a big fan. I'm a big fan of what's happening right now, what's to come. And Matt knows damn well that I am gonna throw my own brand of batshit crazy chaos right back at him, and that's. That's the beauty of this is like it's so collaborative and Matt is incredibly talented in that he builds this game for the players, right? Like he's not he's not just trying to win. It's not DM yeah. versus players. DM it's, versus players D&D is Yeah, horrible. he just he wants to make sure everybody is having a good time and telling a story in a world where, you know, we ultimately make the decision as to whether or not we're having a good time. So Yeah. I, I like I said I won't speak for everybody else, but I know I'm gonna have a good time no matter what he what, what Matt throws at us. Like yeah, the the next major kind of arc, so to speak, that's coming up is heavily I shouldn't say heavily involving because it basically is about uh, one of the new players at the table. Um, he gave me an incredible backstory with chaos and drama and strife which as a dungeon master is the greatest gift you can give me um because i just get to throw it back at him now in uh, tenfold so it'll obviously move the plot forward it's not like a sideline of like his character just to be his character and then moving on like right. it's, it's gonna involve all the things going on but 
just to be able to, because, you know, obviously SJ being in this world for three years, there's been so much that I've done that's involved explicitly him. Yes. Um, to be able to to kind of spread that out um, to the new players now, because they they're not just new to this group; they're new to D and D. So yeah. to be able to just hyperfixate in on his character and kind of throw him the gauntlet and uh, watch him panic and make those those kinds of decisions when the spotlight is solely on him um, is going to be incredible it's yeah it'd be incredible i'm so excited for the the next kind of arc that's coming up there's there's a little bit of setup that they have to go through to get to it right now their objective is to uh arrive at a uh ruin i'll say um but once they get there and start getting settled in things are gonna things are gonna kick in high gear i keep joking we've been playing this campaign for i want to say two to three months now and I keep saying that, like, oh, there's a moment when shit's going to hit the fan, and that's when the campaign starts. That's when the campaign starts, blah, blah, blah. So even though we've been playing for the, the this for, like, three months, and they've leveled up many times, and they've done some incredible things already, the campaign has just started, for me at least. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're moving right along, um, and it's, it's awesome. We've, it's actually, we're, up, we're right up to about six months. In, Are we? Has it in been a couple, that long? In a couple weeks, it'll be six months. Yeah. When did we start? We started the first week of October, if I remember correctly. Wow. Because October first is canonically uh, my second character's birthday. So. Right. Okay. Wow. And I, rem- I remember thinking like, oh, it's yeah, we're doing this right on time. Um, Matt, why don't we go ahead and talk about the the drama in the D and D world right now? We talked about it last episode. Yeah, just just to be brief, because I could I could rattle on for it for a while, and this this situation has mostly been resolved. But I guess this is my my PSA to all of my fellow fans of Dungeons and Dragons to keep your eye out and stay cautious. In a way, um, I, I I'm sure I don't need to go into too much detail, but the whole OGL situation, the open game license, um, essentially Wizards of the Coast updated the OGL. Um, behind closed doors to be very predatory towards creators. Uh, they wanted to make Dean Dungeons and Dragons a more monetizable brand, which is fair. You got to make money. I totally get that. But they were they were planning on making people that use the game license to create supplementary content, like you know Dungeon Master Guild and Kobold Press and MCDM and and, and ten points of slashing. If we have if we <laughs> ever decide to do D and D related content, yeah, yeah. If we ever make that decision at um, any point in time. Yeah, so like, like right now. they they were going to make people <laughs> give them percentages of their profits and they were also going to make people like report their earnings to them so that they could I don't know, like squeeze the most money out of them. Um kind of like a you can do this but you can't do this. You have to report your income, you have to give us a percentage. Essentially just strong arming and I, I I don't know for sure, but I think there was something about, you know, anyone that creates content under the new OGL, technically they own that content. And there was something about like they could publish it under their name. So if Kobold Press made an adventure and published it under the new OGL, Wizards of the Coast could slap their name on it and release it in stores and it would be theirs. Like, yeah, it was this whole horrible thing. Really bad business. Um, really bad. And th- we found out from a leak internally from the company and uh, nowhere on this document did it say draft. Legal documents will say draft on them if they're if it's not final. Um, but when it got outed, when it got leaked, it was like three days before Wizards of the Coast was supposed to be public with it. And, uh, they backpedaled hard and were like, oh, it's just a draft. It's subject to change. But everyone immediately knew there's, 
There's like YouTube lawyers, like a, a dude named Legal Eagle who did a video on it. <laughs> what a sweet name. Yeah, dude. he's he's kick ass. His catchphrase is like YouTube's lawyer, but he he has some <laughs> really great content. And then just a lot of like legally literate people in the D and D community, like um, I'm you know we're not affiliated with any of these people, but like you know Ginny D and, and Jesse Jerdak, whatever his last name is, I could be wrong. Um, Critical Role released kind of like a half statement about it because they're under like 18 contracts with Wizards of the Coast and they didn't want to violate anything. But everyone really, really got involved with it. And uh, they backpedaled and officially, as of, I guess, two weeks ago from this episode being live, uh, they not only reverted and are kind of making the first draft of the OGL irrevocable and sticking with that, they also released the SRD into Creative Commons. So essentially what that means is the SRD is the like core rules of the game. It's what it's like the official rules that Wizards of the Coast themselves use to make supplementary content for D&D. So it's like all of the classes, all of the spells, like it's it's like the core game. Uh they released that into Creative Commons, which essentially makes it free for the public publicly owned forever in perpetuity which is more than we asked for so it's definitely a sign of good faith that wizards of the coast did that yeah it's a kick-ass olive branch yeah it really is but be wary um yeah i they, I, they could always pull some more bullshit the people that are making dungeons and dragons themselves there should be absolutely no hate directed towards them because they're just making the game that they love and it's corporate you know that's trying to be the 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 penny pinchers so to speak and squeeze as much out of it as they can yeah i just want to um, cut in real quick and say the as of the date of recording this episode it is february 3rd yeah this episode will release february 11th so if between the 3rd and the date that we release this which is today uh the 11th uh if anything happens that is negative in that time frame. Uh, we'll we'll catch up on it in a future episode, just so you know we're we're a week behind. So yeah, as as is the the case of production schedules, yeah. you know. But but as of February third, everything all of is this all is good. True, yeah, all of this um, is true. So but yeah, stay cautious. Take everything you see from wizards with a grain of salt. Read into everything. Um, they backpedaled. They're back on the right path, um, which is great because I get to be excited about 1D&D again and everything that they're doing with that. But um, one thing that everyone was doing was like, oh, we got to switch to Pathfinder and we got to do this. and We got to do this. And then they backpedaled and now everyone's like, oh, cool. We can just only ever play D&D again now. Play other systems, guys. Play Pathfinder. Play Call of Cthulhu. Play Powered by the Apocalypse. Like, try out other systems. You you got a whole life on this planet Earth and so many stories to tell. You can you, you can afford to leave D&D for a little bit and try out another system. Obviously, 5th edition D&D and presumably 1 D&D is my preferred system, but I've played Pathfinder 2E. I've played games that are that run on Powered by the Apocalypse. Uh, I haven't touched Call of Cthulhu yet, but I've seen it, like Vampire the Masquerade, stuff like that. Just play other systems, please, please, please. That's my PSA. Be careful of Wizards of the Coast in the future and play other systems. Yeah, man. I mean, I've only ever played D&D and probably will only ever play D&D unless Matt decides to pivot us away I from really, that. But... I still really want to do something with Kids on Brooms. I really want to do a Kids on Brooms. Even if it's like a, like a three-shot or like a four-shot. Yeah. I still really want to do that. And then I would love to do... Um, 
There's uh, Avatar Legends is on. Uh, it runs on the Powered by the Apocalypse framework, and it's uh, we're actually rewatching Avatar right now. And uh, I would love to do something with it because it looks very fun. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's got like there's so much. It's there, like dude. yeah, the way that Avatar Legends works is really it's actually really interesting. Super quick tangent, but instead of being instead of the classes being like Firebender and Waterbender and stuff like that, there's like because Avatar is all about like balance and fighting between two different ideals. So there's like there's a bunch of different like mentalities i guess one is called the idol and it's like responsibility and freedom is like the the balance that they walk Mm -hmm. and when you fight and when you like make role play decisions and stuff what's actually happening is your balance is being shifted between your two core principles oh that's cool um so you kind of have to design your character around that a little bit but like if you if you're playing an idol and you want to like lean into your responsibility npcs can call you it's literally called like calling out they can call you out and shift your balance towards freedom and like it's it's this really interesting system it requires a lot of flexibility with your character from the players to be able to be like okay i guess i'm more freedom based now but it it genuinely is really interesting and when you're building your character you can pick any discipline you can be an idol and you can be an earthbender you can be an idol and you can be a weapons dude that's cool like it's it's really interesting um i would love to play it when we're done watching through avatar again yeah, man. I mean, obviously, we have this whole campaign going right now. So yeah, yeah. Obviously, anything that anything that we do isn't gonna be until the end of it, unless it's like a one shot that we can yeah. squeeze in here or there. But yeah, let's uh, let's dive into this soundtrack. So we talked about it a little bit last week, but we do like these fun little montages and these like silly little moments, like you know, a city absolutely burning down due to horrible circumstances, and we were like, you know, it would be really funny the song you know we didn't start the fire so it's just this it's this really hilarious 80s yeah. music I'm gonna, soundtrack i'm gonna take it away with uh the first time that happened the first of our montage songs we like the wolf right yes so yeah. you remember so uh, i guys i told you about how that first uh session that i played Involve the Wendigo, right? Well, the Wendigo is a very, very important character in this world because the, that one in the one shot specifically, they fought the child of that Wendigo. Yes, um, but we're specifically referring to the Wendigo patriarch. Yes, so uh, the Wendigo patriarch, um, my first character, ended up he. So that Wendigo was like the main bad guy of the first, first like arc. third. The first arc that we played, yeah. Um, and the final fight with that Wendigo was one of my favorite moments of all of the D&D that we played. But the final fight, um, when the Wendigo, and I didn't know this, but the Wendigo had one hit point left, my character kind of threw down his sword and attempted to persuade the Wendigo into helping him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after a series of incredible rolls... He beat me by one. Uh, I Not the first time it's happened. was able to persuade the Wendigo and it ended up becoming an ally um, which, to this day to this day. Yes. Um, but basically we allied with the Wendigo and he started helping us out. And there was one particular sequence where we were uh, trying to create a distraction so that our party's movement wasn't being tracked. And we asked the Wendigo to help us. By going down a like a little trade road and just annihilating bandits, because we asked him to like only kill evil people. Yeah, basically, the Wendigo, you know, it's very much based in cryptid lore, 
D&D doesn't have an actual Wendigo, so I pulled a lot of homebrew from DM's Guild specifically. And, you know, Wendigos, you know, they're creatures born from people who cannibalize in life. So they have this, like, perpetual insatiable hunger. So while he was helping you guys, you were like, hey, the hunger thing, we get it, but only eat, like, bad people. Yeah. So we set the dude loose on this this road where there were a bunch of bandits. Absolutely loose. we were like, you know what would be really funny? A slow-mo montage of the Wendigo just, like running on all fours with his tongue, tongue hanging out of his out. mouth like a dog ripping people to shreds ripping limbs off like blood flying through the air arms flying and he's just happy as a clam and we put on hungry like the wolf <laughs> by duran duran and it and it was, it was perfect. perfect it was like we put the song perfect. on and we were like all right everybody just imagine slow-mo montage and it was it fit it so fit well so well and that's the first time that we started that we did that. And from yeah. there, we, we didn't, didn't know that it was going to be a soundtrack, like a running gag. No, we, we didn't. Just did, we just did it as a one off and we we're like, uh-huh, OK. And then yeah. and then, yeah, we've had it's just kind of been the trend that we do like 70s, 80s, 90s pop hits, basically, for these hilarious moments. Um but yeah, so that was the first. I'm kind of going to scroll down the list a little bit. Yeah, there's some that don't have a story. There are some that are just like, oh, this would be funny. Um. The the next one that I want to hit, we keep saying we didn't start the fire, but that was not the song that played while Aria burned to the while, ground. While Aria was burning to the ground, it was uh, Ballroom Blitz by Sweet. Ballroom Blitz, yeah. So basically, and we so just to just to one of our players was playing a dragonborn, a red dragonborn wizard, and. You're in the middle of a logging town where everything is made out of wood. You guys were searching for someone. The search wasn't going well. This character was accosting someone in their home and as an intimidation tactic, used their fire breath inside the home made entirely of wood in a logging town. So as a dungeon master, I was like, okay, well, he's going to start a small fire. And after a series of really <laughs> bad rolls. And then it wasn't small. It was not small anymore, ladies and gentlemen. And while that was happening, Matt put on Ballroom Blitz because it was just hilarious as so, we're frantically trying to put the fire out. As and everyone like, but SJ was frantically trying to put the fire out. So what was happening was the fire was spreading. The entire town was burning to the ground. All of the play, like the townspeople were freaking out because they were like, our town is burning to the ground. Um, so everyone kind of started trying to help, but SJ's character was so no, hell bent no, no. on trying to find the person that they were in the town looking for that th- there was this dude that they ran into that was trying to like put the fire out in his home. And he was like, where is this guy? And the dude's like, I don't give a fuck what you're looking for. My house is on fire. And, uh, the situation escalated very rapidly into and I, murder. <laughs> and I will, uh, I will go back and submit that nobody was trying to help. Nobody, uh, none that, of the player characters were trying to help. Eventually we, they were. Eventually they, they, they were, yes, after we murdered that guy. And no, then, it started while you were accosting that dude. None of the other player characters tried to help, dude. I'm, I'm 99% sure they did. Because yeah. the player that started the fire um, very quickly when en masse the townspeople were trying to like gather water and do stuff, he was like, okay, I guess I'll help. <laughs> Um, we were only running with a group of three player characters and I think, I think one of them was out for this one. I don't remember if he was there or not. Um, but yeah, eventually a, a legendary character in, in Fyrus lore showed up and was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? 
Yeah, but, but regardless, that was, uh, that was an incredible moment. Blitz, and then in remembrance, we, we didn't, didn't start, start the fire, fire by yeah. Billy Joel. <laughs> Which, uh, oddly hilarious now. Yep. <laughs> um, so the next one that I have down, um, this, not so much a funny story, just a cool m- moment for me. Uh, a lot of, so my characters had a lot of connection to the abyss, the plane um, in within D&D, and... When we started what we called the sequel campaign, um, because we did the whole first campaign, which ended with my character essentially killing a demon lord and taking his power and reigning over that section of the abyss, uh, we knew we wanted to do a sequel campaign. So when we started it, we started it to Seasons in the Abyss by Slayer, uh, which is a fantastic banger of a song. Please go listen to it. Um, But that was a really good memory. Um, the next one I have on the list, Dead Man's Party. Dead Man's Party. So uh, the aforementioned invasion of hell was the f- result of a lot of fruits of labor in unifying the governments of the world. And when the material plane decided that they didn't want to be stepped on anymore by hell, who was kind of poking a lot at this point in the story, they decided, uh, the King of Virus was like, hey... All of the world is united right now. We have incredibly powerful soldiers, some of the most well-known and powerful mages of all history. Like, let's just, let's do this. Um, so there was kind of like a resource gathering, kind of like preparation section of the campaign. Uh, and then the night before uh, the actual invasion, the night before Step Off, they all gathered in the throne room of the castle of um, Blackstone, which is the capital of Fyrus. And they did a little party uh, to Dead Man's Party uh, by Oingo Boingo. I can't believe I almost forgot their name. Yeah. And it was a banger. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, At one point, uh, my character kind of like stepped outside to do the brooding thing. And another character joined me and we had a conversation like on the wall. And Matt like turned the volume down to make it sound muffled. It was really funny. (laughs) It was really funny. Um. So the last one on the list that I'll talk about is uh, the one we started the current campaign with. Uh, basically, my character is the son of uh, somebody who essentially ascended to stand at his God's side. Mm-hmm. But my current character really has no religious leaning one way or the other. Yeah. Um, so we so for this this character's morning routine, he like. Gets in the morning and, you know, takes a shower, puts a towel around his waist and is like brushing his teeth in the mirror to Faith by George Michael, which is a wonderful so morning ritual song. So good. Um, I recommend. It's to- also. Sorry. No, you're fine. I was going to say, it's also really funny, too, because, you know, it re- being related to someone who is very religious. Yes. And then <laughs> the only religious part about faith is the word faith. Yeah. <laughs> it's a love song about a woman. Yeah. You got to have faith. Yeah. Yeah. No, and uh, his his twin brother's theme song is Faith, but by Limp Biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> the edgy version. Yeah. Dude, that is an, a phenomenal cover. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's, it's Limp really Biscuit good. is a guilty pleasure for me, yeah. for sure. No, it's it's a good cover. I I have recently discovered that like new metal is my genre. Like I've I've always listened to it, but I've never like recognized it. You know what I mean? So recently, I've been like, "Oh God, I really like new metal," and Limp Bizkit's definitely a guilty pleasure. There, there's some good stuff in new metal. Um, that was definitely the music that was popping when I was like getting into music, which is interesting because like I feel like a lot of the music that I was around was definitely new metal too. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I think mean, Hybrid Theory came out in 2000, and that was like the new metal album for many years, many, many, many years. Yeah, and you were but a wee lad at the time. I was but so. a wee lad, but in you know, in uh, in junior high, it was all Linkin Park, Slipknot, uh, the first few um, Seven Dust albums, Limp Biscuit here and there, peppered throughout, uh, Pearl Jam. <laughs> or am I thinking of Deftones? The, yeah, Pearl Jam is a completely different I genre. I think I'm thinking that of That is Deftones. my genre. Yeah, no, Deftones. Man. I'm sorry. I don't know why no, I mix no, those up good. in my head. But yeah, uh, Def, Def Jam. Deftone. Def Jam. Def Comedy. Leopard. Def Leppard. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Def Leppard, my favorite new metal band. <laughs> Dude, Rick Allen could throw down a blast beat. I know that he. I know that he's only got one arm, but goddamn, is he one of the most phenomenal drummers to ever walk this planet? He could throw down a blast beat. I believe in him. <laughs> Fucking Def Leppard new metal arc. Do you think Def Leppard would be a good uh, would be good D and D players? Band? Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think so. Yeah. Should we? Should we? I mean, we're pretty much at the at the end of our rope here, but should we take a second to talk about Gettius Lettius? We can. We yeah. You, no, have at it. Gettius Lettius is your child. So. Yeah. We like like we've said we're we're big fans of our of our music and our our you know eighties and seventies and nineties you know hits. Uh, after we kind of wrapped up one of the the bigger arcs, his second character, the the sequel campaign, uh, we went back in time to the continent north called Quentium. Um, I don't want to get too much into it, but uh, it was it was a whole situation that was happening up there as it is with D and D campaigns. And there was a part where they were on a boat sailing from the western side of the continent to the eastern side, and like timing was of the essence, and everything was kind of going to shit, and people were dying. And yeah, you like, might even say we needed to rush. Yeah, they needed to to rush. So there was a bard on this ship uh, because I really wanted to add "Fly by Night" to the soundtrack. <laughs> I wanted to fit it in somewhere. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't remember why now, but in the moment, the like with the scenery and the urgency and the context of what was happening, Fly By Night just really worked. So I introduced the bards on the ship, uh, the the bardic duo Gettius Letius and Neelius Perticus, uh, <laughs> playing Fly By Night. <laughs> and that, that started the legend of Gettius Letius and also me just like throwing in popular musicians and making their names silly. <laughs> I don't Who was the most recent one? Uh, was, I, was it Georgius Michael? It might be. I think yeah. it was Georgius Michael. Yeah, but we, we do that now and it, it started with Gettius Letius. <laughs> For those that don't know, Getty Lee and Neil Peart, the lead singer and bassist and drummer for Rush. Yeah. One of the most incredible bands of all time. Fly By Night. Fa- I agree. Favorite Rush album. Yeah. No, uh, Rush is amazing. Uh, anyway, uh, that is this week's episode of 10 Points of Slashing. Similarly to the sci-fi episode, all over the place. So much to talk about. Most likely going to be a part two. We yeah. can talk about D&D for 40 hours. So next week's episode... We are going to be talking about, we're doing another top five. We're going to be talking about our voice actors. Yeah, voice voice, performances, voice actors in general. Yeah, voice acting performances in video games is what we're going to go with. Um, We we talk about these amazing characters all the time, but they wouldn't be half as amazing without the voices behind them. Exactly. And the, 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 uh, what's the word? The passion. Artistry. Artistry. It was artistry. Yeah. The artistry that goes into creating is so complicated. Yeah. The the artistry that goes into like creating these people that we have to have some kind of emotional connection to. And they do that with just their voices, you know, and it's 
it's a really inspiring, incredible thing. And so we're going to be talking about our top five favorite voice acting performances. Yes. Um, and yeah, that's going to be a really good one. After that, I'll uh, kind of preview it a little bit, but we've got a special little thing planned. Um, we're going to harken back to our first episode in a really cool way that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. So yeah. um, stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, um, follow us. If you're listening to this on Spotify, we have a YouTube. If you're listening to it on YouTube, we have a Spotify. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube. Give us a give us a rating on Spotify. It really helps uh, with the growth and with uh, getting us out there. Share us with your friends. Pass pass us around like the plague. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a yeah. That's a great way to put it. I love it. Yes. Pass us around like the plague in a post COVID world. Yeah. Wear wear your masks. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is that con- that's too controversial? You, I work in healthcare. All right, ten points of masking. Like, what is this? <laughs> Listen, I have I have hard opinions. I work in healthcare. I wear a mask. <laughs> he does. Get your flu shots. You <laughs> fucking animals. <laughs> Thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts. My name is SJ. My name is. And thank you for listening to our. I decided to scat this time. Yeah, that was rad, dude. Honestly, I didn't. I was not expecting anything worthwhile, but that wow. you did it for me. Well, Fuck listen, you. I'm ending the we've episode. been at a de- degradation. Like, don't don't end it. Like, <laughs> I'm being held hostage in my own recording, dude. It's 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 no, not just you. The bit That's is dying. The, thing. the bit it's, is dying. It's not though. just you. It's me. Listen, we got maybe like three or four more before this bit dies so enjoy it while you can yeah and it wasn't even supposed to be a bit it was just something we did that yeah was it was stupid. not it was not planned it's just he said my name is sj and then i just wanted to be silly and then we've forced ourselves into doing something that we can't yeah we did it again in the second episode and we were like you know what yeah let's keep that and it's just it's it's dying it's degradation trip it's That's so bad it's an album by my favorite musician jerry cantrell oh yeah, yeah i didn't even know that i think i just heard it from you yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah then probably. It's just, it's just in my mind now. All right. Bye. Bye.